Greetings programs, welcome to Animatronic, the podcast talking about episodes of Disney's animated television show, Tron Uprising. My name is Duncan Shields, host of Tronologically Speaking, the movie-by-minute podcast talking about 1982's movie, Tron. And I'm Courtney Coulson, reviewing Tron Legacy one minute at a time on Legacy Minute. Episode 13. So this is episode 13. It's called The Stranger, and it says Beck falls into a trap set by a mysterious psychopath and learns a secret about Tron. And I am so stoked about this particular episode and the next one, for that matter. Yeah, boy. This was (laughs) worth it. Everything kind of went off a jump right, right about now. So we see this recap that tells us that Abel knows about Tron, and Tron says that a long time ago he misjudged someone a friend, and then we get a shot of that program Cyrus who helped them to the cave after he escaped from Dyson. And he says, I'm a friend to the tortured Tron in their uh, in their shelter. I'm so amazed that Tron has secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Is that sarcasm? I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> he probably has way more. There's probably like a whole pile of dead programs. Uh, That's what I was that... so hoping. Like, yeah, like, like we joke about it every episode being an unlucky program he gets he picks or every season could be like he picks a program raises them and then oh they're dead (laughs) season two i want to be a rebel hey well you can uh you could be the new tron i would love it if we and we would keep talking about making our own season two it'd be fun if we made uh just a little blurbs for however it's like 20 episodes yeah yeah Oh yeah, sure. Just like little, uh, little like, like tweets, basically of like a, a tweet blurb of each, each. Yeah, each like episode. Mara decides to join Tron's cause, and yeah, whatever. Yeah, I've heard uh, they they do that with Seinfeld. They've got like a Seinfeld Twitter. Like, oh yeah, sort uh, of this 21st episode. century. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like it, like it never stopped. And they're gold. They're real. They're gold, Jerry. They're gold. <laughs> so uh, it's quite the setup. with the recap here and uh like i said before i think we are about to get into one of my favorite episodes so we get an overhead shot of two cities joined by one long narrow road and we hear abel say beck 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 i need you to leave argon and head straight to galleon there's a pickup i need you to make and so this is kind of like a fury road set up here we've got this one road in the wasteland in between two cities it's pretty awesome and this beautiful highway, it pans down and we see him ripping along the highway on his bike. And this is, again, like so many of these shots, just pure, pure desktop material. It's we got big wonderful. trucks, big trucks. Big trucks. And Beck says, that's <laughs> way in the outlands. And Abel says, stick to the roads and you won't have any trouble. I think they call that foreshadowing. But <laughs> I also think it's really cool to have all this in the voiceover. They don't, uh, yeah. they're, they're, they're like wasting no time. That's like... Opening credits. That's something I really love playing around with in my own writing is how efficiently can I convey this information? How naturally can I do it? Because, yeah, you could just have characters standing around and talking, but uh, that's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Right? I think, what was it, Humphrey Bogart who said, if you've got a, a long scene with two characters talking to each other, I hope you have the good sense to have a couple of camels humping in the background so the audience at least has something to look at you know or something like that and i was like that's good advice you know a little specific but it's good advice yeah <laughs> so and then yeah so 
Beck comes up against big trucks and he uh, squeezes. I, I started that because uh, I, I, I was uh, down south. I don't, it doesn't matter to, it doesn't mean anything to anyone outside of. Uh, <laughs> no. I was down south. I was in Margaret River. You, you were in Texas? Yes, I was. Um, yeah, so I, I was I was going down to Margaret River. So that's about a three hour drive. Okay. And going down those freeways, every time I went past like a big Optimus Prime looking truck, I would chant, "Big truck, big truck." <laughs> I'm sure my friend was very entertained by that by the ninetieth time. Oh well, I would be. I know that they are. They're they're worth celebrating. Giant vehicles, I think. It's really cool seeing the big either construction vehicles or trucks, and especially when you're driving next to it in a little car, and it's just it's so massive. Oh yeah, yeah, it's awe inspiring. <laughs> you're like, look at that thing. Look at the size of it. Yeah, it's um, moving. <laughs> so he uh, squeezes his bike between them and goes in front of them and does the old blow your horn gesture. Yeah, and they Which do they it. Comply. Which they comply. I think that's uh, that's something you have to do as a trucker. I know it's such a shame. I was on the left side. Well, again, Australia reference, but yeah, I I was away from the truck, so I couldn't do that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, he burns forward, only to come skidding to a stop behind a traffic jam caused by a storm. And there's this another awesome, beautiful, well-designed program is also just on his bike at the tail end saying, Beck will no way get to Galleon or be able to do anything until the storm passes. There's a giant storm. So there's a prairie and a storm, and it's caused a traffic jam. <coughs> it makes me wonder what weather actually does in the grid, because in the yeah. real world, weather obviously plays a role in agriculture and just natural cycles of, yeah. of the environment. So what is it doing here? What Does it like, help are... in any way? Does anything compost in the grid? Does anything rot? You know, can uh, is there is there like earthworms? What's the ecosystem of the grid, and how does weather play into it? That's that's a very yeah. very good question. Rain could wash away some kind of particulate elements. We know there are there can be dust and and smoke yeah. and stuff. So yeah, and like derezzed body part cubes. Yes, you know, a, people do get reduced to their primary constituents often so like what does that all just get thrown out you know like what is that is that just random code that no longer makes sense that could be pieced together frankenstein like into someone new i don't know yeah does everything get recycled you could like you know in superman three or what's the one with richard Pryor? was that three yeah that I was think three. it was three yeah yeah where he comes up with that program where every time somebody gets paid and they get paid uh, you know, three thousand and forty-eight dollars and twenty-two and a half cents. Then he has a program that rounds it down. No, that well, the company rounds it down, but theoretically, there's all these ghost half cents kicking oh, around yeah. in the company's accounts, and so he writes a program that consolidates all of them and writes them in a check and assigns them to him. That's the whole Which premise is- of the film genius yeah so he's got you know he at the end of the month he gets he's like maybe this will be worth an extra couple hundred bucks maybe a thousand and he gets a check for like 22 million dollars or something like that and the company's like none the wiser because it's all accounted for right the last time i saw that was as a small child so none of that registered to me yeah me too i was like oh something about money i guess oh cool robot lady you know like yeah 
or rather robot lady oh my gosh i'm gonna have nightmares that whole sequence was <laughs> terrifying but so i wonder if you could do the same thing with uh with program bits like uh yeah just destroyed destroyed chunks of people in the grid could you could you swirl them together into someone new because the implication we keep getting over and over again is that there is a limit on resources or I mean, it could potentially be an artificial uh, scarcity, yeah. but maybe there is some kind of limit. Who knows? Well, it'd be like Bitcoins, right? Like from what I know about Bitcoins, there is a finite amount of Bitcoins that can ever be found, which is why everybody's, that working, is true. Working, everybody's working so hard on finding them right now is because there is a, a cap. And once that cap is found, then they will all be worth a certain amount. But until that cap is found, their value will rise. So there's kind of a race to the finish here. So there could, but there's a mathematical necessity for a limit based on mm. how they work with binary math. So there's probably something similar in the grid where there is a, a cap where you can't oh, go true. beyond it. You know, since they're both sort of computer related, I thought maybe there would be something similar there. And also it's just horrible to have to write stuff of involving infinity of anything yeah. infinity yeah. years infinity resources it's just oh god what, yeah. what is life at that point yeah how do you how do you yeah you can't it's 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 very hard so uh this program says you're not going to get the galleon and beck for some reason goes i'll go around it and jumps off the highway off the road on his bike to boot across the desert in the storm and i don't know i would have been like well looks like it's time to read a book sweet yeah. <laughs> like I, that's what, not beck's way that's not beck's way that's not how he rolls i wonder what abel has him picking up that's so time sensitive though because he seems like he's in a, a huge rush and are there weather forecasts in the grid is another thing i'm wondering is this oh, storm yeah. a huge surprise to everybody like is it just like well nobody saw this coming i don't know the whole thing, mm. atmospheric events in the grid is a, probably worthy of their, or is there like a weather satellite, you know? We, a, in season two, we'll have a meteorological episode that goes all into <laughs> that. There'll be one weather program that nobody knows, and then the main character oh, yeah. will meet them, and they're in some heart of the grid somewhere, and they're the ones that control the weather. I imagine this weather wizard uh, uh, program looks like... Uh, Oh, God, blanking on his name. Um, especially his programmer in Tron, old guy. Oh, uh, what Bar Barney? No, what Mont? Yep. Mont, but Mont, uh, Dumont. Du Dumont. There we go. Yeah. yeah. And his program, which had a penis hat, and yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The giant, the giant phallus helmet, and it's uh, Bernard Hughes was the actor there. Yep, so that's what the weather wizard in Tron looks like. That guy is playing a crotchety old man ever since he was like 28. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like he's there so There are some guys who are like that. Same with, uh, I feel like John Hurt was just born as an old man. Sure, sure. <laughs> but I really love this shot here where it's side on, the full on. Oh, know, yeah. Um, Wes Anderson kind of thing mm -hmm. as the light cycle rides up onto the hillside yeah he's, he's going off the highway across the open wilderness only to come across a massive sinkhole in the middle of nowhere and lightning strikes the center of it shaking back into the pit 
and through the whirlpool light barrier that's on top of it and then underneath it he's in a pit and then there's the light barrier whirlpool sky which is the lid to this crater turns out it's a crater and in the center of the pit is a sort of weird monolith looking thing like from 2001 this is all so buck wild uh it's so uh, buck wild but it's thin like the time travel windows and time bandits it's just this like yeah it's like a dream it's like a fever dream this whole episode is like a fever dream and i love it because it, it doesn't not a lot of expository dialogue happens no it's just and i think like, this is another example of doing digital horror in a really yeah. good way it's just yeah. it's all about leaning into that uncanny unnaturalness of this world for sure and even in terms of camera angles so when he first falls through that portal thing, yeah uh well the the whirlpool portal there's two portals here the, yeah. the whirlpool it has this playstation one cut scene coming to an end now you're in the game kind totally, of thing totally yeah yeah which yeah. gives it very a very disorienting feel yeah yeah and then you got a monolith window thing mirror mm-hmm. yeah so it's all is... just unnatural yeah it's fantastic and like he turns away from the monolith for a second and a shadow passes across the monolith and then he turns back and there's nothing there it's like something out of that old movie phantasm or something mm. it's just like dream imagery almost you know like just what yeah it was it's it like it's like in silent hill there's a bit where uh yeah this woman thinks she sees her daughter at the bottom of a dark staircase in an abandoned city that's covered in Mm. ash and then the sky is red and then uh an air raid siren starts going off and so she knows she should go down the dark stair (laughs) to go down the dark stairs to get to shelter but it's like none of it makes sense it's just all the imagery is like this is really bad this is really bad you know, I like, love that so much. And whatever's going on right now, A plus number one, bad stuff. And it's sort of like what's <laughs> happening here where you're like, I don't know what's going on, but uh, this ain't right. <laughs> so, I love that kind of dream imagery where you yeah. try and explain it to someone and it doesn't mean anything. But yeah. when you are able to convey that visually, it's just, ah. So yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. We so, yeah. also get uh, the first indication that programs breathe, and when they breathe, they exhale something because Beck puts oh. his face up to that mirror portal, and there's some uh, condensation. Con- yeah. Yeah. And he falls right through it. He leans on it and falls right through it, and then he can't get back out. He goes back Help. out. And I have fallen a- and can't get back up. <laughs> bang it on the glass. Now he's trapped, and then something grabs him from behind and takes him back into darkness the end very short episode yeah meanwhile back at the garage (laughs) it just sort of like cuts back to the garage still no idea what the heck is going on with beck and we see link is vacuuming with his long sad face his amazing face he's great he's my favorite Uh, abel is able uh, abel's noticing that beck should have been back by now and uh, uh, Abel goes back to his office only to be ambushed by Tron. And there in the background is a bit floating around on one of the plinths. Like a Wait, but, but we went past how Link's like, Un- unless what? Unless what? Oh, no one tells me anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, little weenie man. I love him. <laughs> he's, he's gold. Like, he's just gold. He's, yeah. 
every scene. I'm just like, oh, what's he going to do this time? <laughs> I always get left out. Yeah, you do, Link. You're the best. You know. Anyway, so, surprise Tron. Yeah, so surprise Tron. And, uh, but yeah, it's just... There was there's a bit floating around on one of the plinths in the background, and I went back and looked yes. at that. Uh, yes, no. I went back and looked at that episode you were talking about when you said, "Is that Yori's armor in Abel's mm. office?" And that was like two episodes ago. And I went back and listened. I'm like, "You're dead right. It is a hundred percent Yori's armor that he had in some kind of giant display vacuum so tube, like a like a was Abel from the previous grid. I mean. I hope so. He's got all this stuff in his office that's like, dude, this is straight from 1982. I and hope so. He has a relationship with Tron. He's older than most programs. Right? Mm. Maybe he used to be one of those Dumont guys, you know? Yeah. Too bad. Is I he wanna... the Weather Wizard? <laughs> What's that? Is he the Weather Wizard? <laughs> He's the Weather Wizard. No, I, I would That's I his the... fault that there's a storm. I see the weather wizard as kind of like uh, like the raven in Game of Thrones. Like he's he's mm. he's immobile. He's 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 got he's got roots going through him. Like he's controlling the weather, but the weather's kind of half controlling him. Like he's not so much. He's kind of unaware of of, of humanity, and that's all kind of. I think that would be on. really cool if in this new grid, there's still characters like that who are given a very specific function that is basically their all-encompassing existence. Yeah, so yeah. the the weather, gravity, physics, sure. there's a program just for that. Basically elementals, right? Mm. Yeah, for sure. I think that would be fantastic. Yeah, we got to put that in our season two, where we yeah. just meet, meet the elementals and they control everything and don't really have a life of their own. Yeah. Yeah, that reminds me of, I think it was EverQuest. They needed to update the servers, so they would have had to have shut them down, erase everybody's accounts and their games in progress, and then boot them back up to start their new and improved EverQuest 2, I think. And hmm. uh, Is that still around? I don't know if it's still around, but I, what I remember, this is... I could be, it might not have been even been EverQuest, but what they did was instead of just saying, well, you know, not like this, not like this. They didn't just <laughs> shut everything down. They, they, they were like, this weekend we're going to release 19 elementals with 7 billion hit points. And uh, they're just going to scour the world clean. Do your <sighs> best, like do your best to stop them kind of thing. And a, like, like 50 players banded together and they destroyed one they actually destroyed one and then like amazing seven seven more like the, like the three surviving parties that were left with like eight hit points between them then seven more elementals crowded in and killed them but it was this where were you when this happened moment of that game and everybody went out with a blaze of glory and i just thought that's the way to do it that's that is epic i know? love that yeah so I just I hope that uh, the original Encom grid ended like that. Yeah, something just this massive apocalypse that somehow everybody was up for and enjoyed. Yep. <laughs> okay, so uh, yeah, yeah. Who is Abel? I don't know. We'll find out. So Tron is looking for Beck because something is happening in Pergos. Uh, apparently, Abel doesn't know Dyson. 
Abel's like, what's uh, this? Who, who's know. this Dyson character? I'm like, oh, well, he knows Tron, but he doesn't know Dyson. That's that's interesting. I, that surprised me. So uh, Tron wants Beck to see what Dyson is doing in Pergos, and Beck isn't there, so Abel volunteers to go instead. I think Abel is going to die. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, not a great idea. No. I'm like, why would you do this? The way people get picked off in this show, willy nilly. But if you're friends go. with Beck, you're gonna die. That's the subtitle of this entire season, I think. <laughs> so Beck wakes up in darkness to a voice saying, "Easy there," and it turns out Beck is on the edge of like a 200-story ridged shaft. It's like a gear it shaft that so goes to cool. like. It's like a gear shaft that goes to the core of the earth or something with tons of like ledges and shelves and cliffs ringing it all the way down but they're all like regular machine tooled shapes you know mm. like sprockets or uh, like gears and stuff like that like it was all designed and then parts of it start to light up here and there with these amazing colors as the voice there's says, some really great sets in this oh uh, this whole sequence just oh it's amazing. This whole episode is like a, an amazing set after an amazing set after an amazing instead of just one, you know, oh, like Abel's yeah. office. But then uh, the voice says, "You've stumbled in what some would call compressed space, not quite off the grid, but close. I just call it home, you know." And this entire episode is just what is going on, but in the best way. You know, and this it, it's really it. opening up these possibilities and, and building this world more. The idea of there can be these compressed spaces. Yeah. Oh, how does that yeah. work? Compressed Who's space? in there? What are you talking about? Uh, uh, it's like a zipped file. Yeah. Sorry. It, this is a zip file. Uh, so, and we see this gaunt figure walking around, but he's like walking on the ceiling and the walls, like in uh, like in Labyrinth with David Bowie, mm. or or it's it's very Escher, and it's so colorful. I just love this so much. Parts of it are rotating, like it's a massive machine waking up. <laughs> Beck's all like, "Yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool." Anyhow, I need to like leave. I have to go. <laughs> it makes me think that the grid is sitting on top of this massive machine of some description. Right? Like, maybe. Right? Like, does it have a core? Is it actually a globe? But it's oh, just, yeah. I don't know. Like, that, it's something to... I always picture it as a plane, but it might not yeah, be. Yeah, same. You know? Are there uh, flat earthers and, and all of that going or, on? Or round earthers. Hi, it's, round earthers, yeah. It's, it's not just a plane, man. It's a globe. Ah, oh, get out of here. <laughs> With your weird theories. So the stranger says that he shouldn't leave because that nasty storm is right on top of them. Just as a massive bolt of lightning shoots its way down the center of the shaft to the floor. Ugh, I don't know. Like, what is happening? I love it. We see that lightning doesn't behave the same way it does in our world because, no. well, the first shot that we see of one, it it moves. It doesn't just go straight down to the earth. It yeah. moves towards the whirlpool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I think that might have been, it's being attracted, I think. Mm. Maybe. Yeah. But, but yeah, it is, night lightning does not behave the same. But the stranger knows Beck's name and that he's the renegade, and he's insisting that Beck stays. It's getting a little creepy up in here. But yeah. then we get we to see. We need to get the forever. 
forever, ever, ever. Come play with us, Johnny. And then um, we see his face. And it's so cool. He's yeah, like, he's it's like, just covered in circuitry. Yeah, yeah, like coated. There's like lines all over his face, like tribal tattoos, like the like the Maori uh, tattoos. It's like mm. this. He's just got all this like, but it's the old like cyberpunk '80s circuit board stuff. The little lines that end in a circle, but they're like yeah. all over. And he's got some asymmetry going on on his body too with his design. He's got some lines on one leg that aren't on the other leg, and that kind of thing. So he's really like. Dude, what is up with you? And then Beck realizes, yeah. you know, his well, disc is Beck, missing. So. Yeah, Beck even asked him if he's an ISO because he resembles one more than a program. Yeah, right? With the weird markings. He's like, mm, are you an ISO? But, but we never really find out what happened, but it seems to be some kind of virus because, well, I mean, not to jump ahead too far, but... No, I got Beck my theories, to... but I'm not sure... But Beck realizes that his disc is missing. The stranger's touching the walls and they're lighting up. But he gives Beck his disc back and says that they're both good guys and that he wants to show Beck something. And then he walks down the shaft's walls like gravity doesn't apply to him. And Beck sort of spelunks after him, crawling down like a normal person would because gravity actually applies to him. So, <laughs> But we cut to this killer shot of Pergos. It's apparently built inside of a crater. I don't know. It's like the aftermath of one of those huge gold mines that are the size of a city, or maybe it's like damage from whatever the equivalent of a nuclear bomb would be in the grid. It's just that that big, uh, like you know, it's just built inside a crater, a massive city built inside a crater. I wonder how far down the grid goes. I don't think I mentioned it before, but I do keep thinking about it. Just how how far down could you go if you drill or build something down there? I'd, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like what is, yeah, how far down could you go? Can't Is there a bottom? Can you scrape the bottom? And there's know? no sky, really. How, or how far up do you go before? I, I don't know. Well, in most games, you know, if you go too far out in the ocean, something comes and eats you. So yeah. maybe there's something in the sky that'll get you. Yeah, it's a very uh, easy way to check out. Is just fly up as high as you can, and then the sky demon gets you. That's it. <laughs> but... Uh, Inside the crater of Pergos is a couple trucks full of programs and Abel is in one of them. And then we cut to the interior of where the trucks and the others like it unload all the programs and it's it's white. It's super white. It's really, really bright and clear, unlike the darkness of, uh, of the rest of the grill. It's like the 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 grill, the grid. It's like yeah, the, I was uh, wondering what you were saying. <laughs> it's like the docking construct in the Matrix sequels, you know, like it's just this really sparse and just beautiful interior. And uh, I do love that sort of thing. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'm not sure what all these programs are here for, though. Abel gets on an elevator. It looks like there may be migrant workers or something like that. Like they're they're here to clean vents or or something like that. But it's all inside of a top secret project that Dyson is working on. So one of Abel's elevator friends is... uh, a woman with a really sweet face mask that we haven't seen before. She's got this really cool, almost like a robot jaw on the, on the bottom of her face that covers her mouth. But oh, yeah, I did not see her before. She's, <laughs> she's really cool. But literally all five of the other programs in the elevator are the same guy with different face masks and hair styles and skin tones. 
So you, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't notice if you weren't going through it like this. And like any other time I've noticed something like this, I totally cut it some slack because it's been fantastic. It's been 80% unique every time. Mm. So. And I like all these, uh, cyberpunk conditions, the masks and visors. Yeah. And what have you? Yeah. The way they make them unique is, is really, really cool. So, uh, Abel catches... I don't think anyone in Tron has ever worn a a coat or, or a capelet or whatever and not been trying to disguise themselves, which means that every time someone rarely wears <laughs> these things, they're being shifty. <laughs> so shifty. This is one thing we're going to find out. Abel's strengths do not include covert ops. Hmm. Uh, he is awful in this entire episode i don't know why he signed up to help tron he must have been sent in as bait because i don't know well we'll see how it goes he he walks along he catches a glimpse of derezzed body parts and he catches a glimpse of dyson and inside the elevator he clumsily asks one of his elevator mates so what is this top secret project we're working on and it's like <laughs> dude dude you're in a hood no one else is you don't just ask something like that in a crowded elevator. Like <laughs> we just had the speech to talk to no one and keep your eyes down and don't look at anybody. And then you're like, well, well, so what is this top secret project? I like that. It shows each character has different strengths. Cause Abel's great. He's, he's perfectly able in other yes. ways. Just yes. uh, not this. Um, I was, oh yeah, and I'm very glad that Dyson's back because yeah, he's there he is. awesome and terrifying. <laughs> yeah, he's so good, and he's this episode is he's still great. The the but they cut back to the the stranger and back, and the stranger is saying that he didn't build this place, but that he's repurposed it, seeing as he's so good with code. You know, and watching all of this with muted. It just it it could be a music video. It is just so oh, visual. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ah. No, it's it's visual poetry. It's so amazing. Mm. The design. It's a is... shame this is a podcast. We can't show you. you yeah. Gotta, you just gotta watch it. Just gotta Pitch trust it. us. You just gotta go watch it. Uh, and he says, "Yeah, he's not an ISO, but he also says that he doesn't fit in with Clue's perfect utopia, right? So he's he's an outcast like the rest of them." Although I'm really starting to get the feeling that he's an outcast for a very good reason, and because mm. uh, he's warming up to Beck, but it's 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 pretty sinister, right? Yeah, I mean, it is a bit of a cliche where you meet this character and you sympathize with them because you think, oh, he's trapped in here, poor thing. What happened? Oh, no, he's just a monster. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, the prison's justified. Okay, I yeah. see. Uh, so, <coughs> back at Dyson's top secret project. Abel sneaks off, and I like his supervisor's. Uh, his supervisor has like a Borg eye implant, kind of like that uh, that woman with the deep, raspy voice who was doctoring the disc in uh, yeah, a couple we episodes. Need more of that. We need we need more of the uh, more of the eye implants, more of the mm. more of the, the prosthetic arms and legs. That's what I want to see more of. Uh, and uh, Abel finds Dyson talking to a random guard confirming that tesla knows nothing of their operation and that it's clues orders that's a bit of a, a bit of an exposition dump there so but there's so much intrigue in this in this episode mm. but hell going on seconds later dyson straight up catches abel he's like so who he the batmans hell are you? <laughs> yeah he batmans him 
just turns around like, boom. Oh, am I standing right behind you? That's weird. Say, what are you doing here? And Abel, caught by surprise, says, uh, I think I'm lost. Smooth, smooth. So good. Smooth. Yeah. What a, what a, he's an expert. Yeah. It's a double bluff. <laughs> he's acting. Now, I, I was uh, mentioning the, the costumes before, the you know coat and, and what have you. So... If if the bodysuit that they normally wear is just a part of their body, you know they yeah. can't really take it off. That's just mm-hmm. that's just them. So does that mean that they're normally naked and then sometimes they put jackets on? I think so. This I think so. I don't think nudity is something they would recognize, but uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh my God. Just my immediate thought was Cora coming to the real world and seeing someone naked. Go, what <laughs> is whoa, whoa, that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> You guys take off your skin? What are you talking about? Yeah, that would be a Yeah, little... you can too. What? I can't? Oh my god. What is going on? <laughs> she wants to go back into the grid. I want to go back to the grid. Like, now. Now. <laughs> First thing in the morning. No. Now. <laughs> so, uh, Dyson asks Abel for his disc, but then Abel's uh, Borg implant supervisor is like, there you are. So sorry, Dyson. So sorry, sir. And Dyson... Uh, you know, choose choose the supervisor a new a new butt, and then uh, <laughs> then then Abel gets rescued by this guy. So that's lucky for Abel because uh, Dyson was on to him. But back at the stranger's weird abode, they get to the bottom of the mine shaft, only to have it fold away, revealing that Beck and the stranger are standing on top of a giant black sphere with a whole bunch of wires sneaking into the bottom of it. The stranger says that it's what Beck and him are going to use to free the grid and then lightning shoots through the sphere. <laughs> it's, it's like just... one of those, uh, oh, what do you call those ones? It's like the the, the static electricity ball thing. Tesla, the Tesla coil. I forget, I forget what the static energy, the static electricity balls are called, but yeah. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. It's yeah, fine. <laughs> for sure. But they really just went just all out with the set designs and everything. It's just so cool. And then it starts turning. The giant sphere they're on starts turning. And the stranger is really upping his pitch now. He's calling them the Alpha and the Omega and how much sense it all makes. And Beck's starting like... Beck's, I, I really like that Beck is pretty quick most episodes and sometimes not super quick, but I guess maybe he's been on his guard ever since he got in here. But he finally says, hey... You're not talking about freeing the grid, are you? <laughs> <laughs> and the stranger's like, oh, yeah, for sure I am. After I destroy it, using this recycled yeah. code and the power of that storm up there that brought you here. And, you know, this is just, I still love this episode because even now, this deep into it, I'm still like, what is happening? <laughs> you know, what is going on? <laughs> I mean, technically he's right. You can't have any problems if everyone's dead. It's uh, a great way for peace on Earth to happen. Just kill everyone. Yes, like, oh, the, good, the Ultron uh, method. The Ultron method. <laughs> uh, the, the judge the judge death method. I looked it up, and apparently there is something called the uh, Cyrus Beck algorithm. I couldn't understand it oh. at all because it's very mathematical. But totally mathematical, and it's. But I think they must have planned this way from the beginning. Oh, I hope so. 
Is there like literally a, a Cyrus Beck? Uh... It's literally called the Cyrus Beck algorithm. What it huh. does, I cannot say. Oh, cool. And it's unrelated to this episode. It's just like a mathematical principle or something. Hmm. Huh. Well, there you go. No, I'm asking. The Alpha and the Omega. Yeah. So Beck says, I won't let you do this and starts throwing punches and it goes predictably, predictably bad for him. Uh, the stranger pushes Beck off of the sphere and before he can fall off it completely, he lands in a giant electric chair looking thing thrown that locks him in and... Uh, that chair. Is it just me or is it weirdly phallic? Uh, no, it's not just you. There is a, a giant <laughs> Peneus on the front of that chair there. Yeah. A cannon, if you will. Yes. Protruding. And they're both on w- those chairs and oh, then yeah. they face each other and it's just, what oh, is yeah. this? Yeah, yeah. They're right, they're right. They're crossing swords. <laughs> So he, uh, he, they're booping snouts, as it were. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh no! So if if this had been a longer episode, it would have just gone full Giger at some point. I'm quite sure. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. The two of us have become one. Oh, is that? Okay. Uh... Oh dear. So he, uh, and then the uh, he he reveals to back. He's like, you know. You're not the first program that Tron trained. And then he snaps his wrists together like Keanu Reeves. Does a gang sign. (laughs) Does a gang sign snap. Does like the the wing insignia in Battlestar Galactica. Or uh, what else is there? In the the sigil on Keanu Reeves' arms in Constantine that happens when he brings his forearms together. But but yeah, yeah, the stranger locks his forearms together and one has three squares on it. And one has one square on it, and they form the uh, the symbol for Tron's chest insignia. Dun da da. So he's been branded. He's the first renegade, and then another so chair. Does Beck have the same wrist symbols, or what? <laughs> not not yet, but uh, maybe. Maybe you have gonna... to get. You have to unlock that later on. Yeah, or maybe this guy was so fanatic about his love for Tron that he went out and got a tattoo. You know, huh? So you think that's tattoos on his face, maybe? Yeah, I think whatever's going on there is custom, and I think it could be the equivalent of a tattoo. It's it's permanent, and it changes your appearance. And I he has nothing better to do. He's locked away probably forever. So <laughs> oh, yeah, I know so. It's an interesting thing to contemplate that are his facial markings pre-prison or post-prison? Is this something mm. done out of isolation and idleness, or is this something that happened before he got thrown I out? mean, everyone gets tattoos in prisons. So what's you supposed to do? True enough. Solitary confinement, though, that's quite the accomplishment. Mm. Is other, well, there's only one mirror, and it leads to the outside world. <laughs> And then another chair comes up on the sphere, presumably for the stranger, and then he says that Beck will be dead soon enough, and then lightning hits the stranger, and he laughs, because he loves getting electrocuted by lightning. (laughs) (laughs) Outstanding. Everyone needs a hobby, especially when you're in solitary confinement. For sure. There's these lightning fields that you can go visit uh, that I know down in South America, where it's just like, there's a place where there's lots of storms, and there's this Hmm. huge open field, and equidistant from each other about like 20 feet apart from each other there's like 200 giant metal rods in a grid and so you can go there and lie down on the grass and uh lightning will strike the rods around you 
Amazing. And you'll be safe. But uh, you got to take their word for it. I wouldn't. I'd be pretty freaked out. Yeah. So is this basically the phantom or negative zone that we've seen in comics? You yes. Know? Like, yes. That he, is exactly. He's been zodded. He's trapped in a pane of glass and uh, it's got infinite space on the inside. This is 100% the phantom zone. Excellent call. I knew it reminded me of something and that's exactly what it is. Uh, yeah, so he starts talking about free will and destiny and predetermination and then he sits in his chair and they go back to back instead of tip to tip, as it were. Um, this, the sphere, ass to ass. <laughs> ass to ass. The sphere is being raised. It's still being raised on this like skyscraper of wires and this place is like a turbine the size of a super collider. And then uh, the stranger says that he can't de- detonate an EMP this size without Beck's help. Oh, so geez. that is interesting that they have that kind of weaponry or device in this world. I, I guess it's something we come back to over and over again. It's a digital world, but physics still seem to apply. So yeah. you can overload this grid with electricity but how do you have access to that if it is just a simulation or is it i think it feels like it's more than a simulation i think there's something more going on with the grid than it's just a game or something yeah it's like there are rules inside of a game like this is one thing that i'm sure has been explored in several properties but if a if a npc gains sentience what can they do within the confines of the code of the game? Kind of like, yeah, like, when, like... When, when Neo gets sentience, right? He kind of turns into like a, a human Superman. See, yeah. I was going to say it's like Moriarty in Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah, totally. Right? Like he's privy to all this information now. So he knows what a EMP is and he knows that it will hurt the grid. It's not like there's cops out there walking around with EMP guns. I don't think anybody's ever done this kind of thing before, right? No, Whatever. he's definitely gone outside of the yeah. realms of this guy is on the normal whole, confines of the rules. A whole um, other level. But yeah, I think he's the first one to even discuss the idea of determinism. There's a lot of yeah. functionalism where everyone seems to agree that everyone has a set purpose and we're supposed to fill out fulfill our programming mm-hmm. like with page yeah but he actually seems to be aware that there is no free will and given that he's i don't know malfunctioning mentally ill whatever analogy mm-hmm. you want to use yeah i guess he more than anyone would be aware of the fact that he's just doing what these impulses or thoughts are telling him to do could be you know like i think he's a genius that has gone over the edge i think definitely Mm. one of my theories is that he got loaded up with so many plus 10 items (laughs) that uh he went uh astray he went askew like you know absolute power corrupts absolutely and that kind of thing where he just kind of went he you know he became a god he got he got beefed to the he got buffed Flew too close to the sun. Yes, well he got buffed right. He got buffed until he was all powerful, and then uh, and then he ceased to be, you know, a minion of Tron. That's mm. for sure. 
but Tron still had an ace up his sleeve and built this place. It's a prison built by Tron to keep. I wonder this... what Flynn would make of him if that would even be disturbing to him because what? we we've seen in previous episodes where it's kind of hard for him to relate to programs because yeah. he knows they don't have free will and he knows their inner work. It's like God meeting humans and knowing every little thing that makes us tick and it must all feel unreal. Well, I wonder what Beck could do. I mean, what what Flynn could do. If Flynn met Mm. this guy, met this stranger, um, and the stranger attacked Flynn, right? Mm. What could Flynn do? Could Flynn just reach into his head and turn him off? You know? I mean, he doesn't seem to have that power. You know, he didn't really have that power against... um, you know, against Clue. He can't just waltz into the main grid. Yeah, he doesn't have just, like, Bruce Almighty point to something and something magic happens. No, like, he is a he is a master of the craft, but, you know, like, you can't kung fu, you know, an Uzi, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. so I think he's still vulnerable, but, yeah, what would... I think, I think what he would do is his solution would be to build a separate grid just for the stranger and then see what happens. Yeah. An empty Actually, grid. He kind of is on his own little space here. He's like, yeah, he might create a Mount Olympus and see what, see what happens there. Oh, and I didn't mention that Cyrus is voiced by Jesse Pinkman himself, yeah, Aaron Paul. That's right. And that's, this was, like I think Breaking Bad went from 2008 to 2013 and this episode mm. that we're reviewing aired in 2012 so Aaron was super popular at the time yeah this is like peak Breaking Bad popularity yeah, this isn't like pre-Breaking Bad just did some voiceover work here and there this is like at the top so I assume that uh, he's just really into Tron and wanted to take this top uh, wanted to take this job mm. I hope so yeah he's, I hope he's, he's a fan yeah He's great on the grid. I'd like to see him, like, if he showed up in one of the actual movies. Oh, that's the other news that came out the other day is that uh, I mean, it's taken with a huge grain of salt, but Jared Leto, Jared Leto insinuated that he would head the beginning of a new Tron trilogy. Hmm. Which I'm like, well, we'll see about that. So, um, no, continue with the story we already have. God damn it. Sorry. Okay. So. Uh, no, no, I'm saying Jared, about the news with Jared Leto. It's like, what, we're doing a whole new thing? No, continue with what we got. Yeah, but I think they might go all new. Either way, I'm into it. It would be cool if Cyrus shows up and is played by Aaron Paul. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Uh, so, they they both start, they both get struck by lightning and the whole ball starts spinning super fast. And by this time, it's broken through the, uh, the, the whirlpool light barrier at the top there. And uh, so Beck is pretty much just having the worst day. That's, that's, the, uh, that's what's going on here. The spinning reminds me of uh, at the end of Tron when yeah. um, the MC- uh, yeah. Yeah. MCP yeah, is, is being destroyed. Yeah, for sure. Is this something kind of... I, I, I mean, it's just me, but yeah, things rapidly spinning like that, it's, it's threatening. I don't like it. No. No, it's a centrifuge thing, right? And it's, Mm. yeah, there's something that's really, we're not meant to be spun quickly in circles. I don't think anybody's down. Some people like the dizziness afterwards, but I've never been that kind of a person. But we cut back to the elevator inside that top secret facility where Dyson was. And um, 
Abel peels off to check out another part of the hangar. But, oh no, there's Dyson. And he's no dummy. He's been thinking about this guy all day. And yep. he asks Abel, he's like, Abel, hey, give me your disc. And Abel's like, oh, uh, I was just leaving. And then, but he's completely missed his truck and the doors close. And now it's just Abel and Dyson. And then a bunch of I like of how characters are not stupid in this. You know, the villains yeah. especially, well, especially are on yeah, the ball. Like, Tesla's, Tesla's not super on the ball. I think that Pavel and Paige are, and I think that Dyson definitely is. I like when Dyson's just like, you didn't fool Tesla me doesn't have to think. He's just, no. he's the boss. He just has to yell at people and punch them. He's the glowy hand puncher. That's all. That's his yeah. job. <laughs> and to have tantrums down again. Yes. Uh, so it looks like time's up for Abel, and it looks like my prediction is going to come true. But then, boom, there's a giant explosion, and Tron backflips in, ninja guy dean warrior and uh he's gonna save abel and confront dyson and there's a big old fight dyson shouts to protect the device and bails into an elevator <laughs> i thought he was gonna join in with his little yo-yo buzzsaw thing but he doesn't but uh, then uh I, tron... want, I want more yo-yo action yeah and tron and abel win the fight but then the whole room starts to shudder and explode as this is one... what abel's good at not the the espionage stuff no he just likes smashing things with the disc there we go he's a great brawler he's a really good brawler yeah. they work well together and then an entire wall lights up and starts to rise and this is uh, i love this this is the device i guess but then yeah it's a mega recognizer which looks very structurally on sound in the center there. Maybe it's not done yet. I don't know. No, it does. It looks a little. If it landed, it looks like the bridge would break in half. It does not. It looks like a little too heavy for that exoskeleton to dis, to uh, support that kind of mass. But and is it me or Tron's all black bodysuit? I don't think it had colored patterns, but like lighter gray patterns, details like that before it just look flat black to me yeah it looks flat black with little like just like four little red circles or something so and I guess now it's, it's got distinct panels this must what it must look like under bright lights i think maybe but uh yeah tron says he's gonna need back and able to take down the mega recognizer i kind of wish it was something different than a mega recognizer because it's like a recognizer only bigger and i was looking for yeah. something new like a like a mecha godzilla or <laughs> i don't know something just Something like so much of this episode has been bizarre and out there. I was hoping for a more bizarre out there mega project that Dyson was working on, but we get what we get. I'm not complaining. Mm. Then, so in the desert, the sphere has breached the whirlpool cap of the crater, goes up into the actual storm, and these blue hologram stoplight sort of things start to form equidistantly around it, and then they start pumping in and out with Beck and the stranger still locked on top of it. And now they're like, they're spinning super fast, super fast and lightning is striking them both. And the stranger says he's about to show Beck just how wrong Tron was. And then Beck has a full on 2001 yes. tripping balls, epiphany hallucination trip. He's seeing technicolor, so good. technicolor hallways, you know, portals, glowing strings you know all all sorts of wild stuff it's absolutely fantastic i think this the red part i don't know what that image is i'm trying to pause on it 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that is either. But it's all sorts of wild stuff. There's a grab bag of just hallucinatory. I like the glowing white string. I think that's a nice touch, right? This it's... must have been so much fun to animate. Yeah, for sure. It's just a few seconds, but it's like, oh, what can we throw in there? What can we throw in there? Circuit boards? Yeah, 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 sure. But think bigger. Think bigger. What can we throw in there? I think this whole episode, they just, they really clearly had a lot of passion for it. They oh, just yeah. went all out. It's great. Yeah, because this is a one shot, right? This is like, a okay, whatever we do in this episode isn't is something we can't do in the rest of the series. So mm. let's just really. It feels like it a movie. It's only you know, oh yeah, yeah, twenty minutes long or so, but ah. But then at the end of hallucination, he sees Tron and Flynn, and they're both asking him to stay with them, and so that brings him. Or is it Clue? Sorry, Clue. Well, yeah, I thought it was Flynn, but I guess it's also Clue. Yeah, it's. Yeah, it's Clue. Mm. And then he breaks free because he's he's been brought to his senses by this hallucination. And I suppose he's pumped full of power or something now. But then the device falters and starts to bend. And then there's more fighting in the rain on top of the device as it collapses. Beck manages to break free, rolling, shoulder rolling onto the prairie before the device falls back into the bottomless pit, sending the stranger back to his prison, which is now powering down. And it shatters the rectangular portal thing like it's a pane of glass or something, which I think probably this like that looked like the only entrance or exit. So it looks like he's mm. sealed inside the phantom zone now. My question is, why didn't they just take his disc? You know, if Tron and Abel had him contained enough to be able to put him into this space, just take his disc away. Why'd you have to build this whole crazy labyrinthian prison? Well, my theory is kind of like, you know how in Kingdom Come, uh, there's a, one of the main problems with Green Lantern's power ring is that he has to charge it up every eight hours or every 12 hours or something like that. If he doesn't, it goes inert, right? So if you lock him up somehow, 12 hours later, his ring dies and he's like, now he's just a dude. But yeah. so what in the future, what he did was he crafts an entire suit of armor out of the lantern that powers his ring. Oh, yeah. And so now his ring is just permanently powered. And because uh, he, he wears the lantern, so you can't you can't lock, you can't steal it from him. And uh, so I imagine something similar has happened with the stranger here. I think he's fused with whatever power is going on. And I don't think, I think if you take away his disc, he doesn't lose his mind like Beck did in that earlier episode. I don't ah, think he's, he's too OP. Yeah, he's too OP. He doesn't power down. You know, he's, uh, he's, he's, yeah, there's no, the only thing to do is imprison him and you better make it a good prison, <laughs> which it looks that like they That makes did. him even more terrifying. Oh yeah, for sure. And maybe there's, some, there's a element of just, I don't know, scientific curiosity seeing what he does. Oh, yeah. They're probably still observing him. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I imagine there might be some monitoring equipment that Tron checks in there now and again to say, oh, I wonder what he's, I wonder what he's, what's he building in there? You know, like. Uh, yep, yeah, he's uh, tattooed his face again. Big oh, surprise. Anyway. <laughs> well, you shouldn't do that. Anyway, back at uh, back at Tron headquarters, Beck just offhandedly mentions, oh, yeah, I got caught in a storm and I got lost. He's being a little salty and sarcastic, mm. saying that, yeah, that's right, I'm one of a kind. Right, Tron? I'm special, right? Mm. Yep. Nobody like me. Right, Tron? <laughs> just, I'm unique. Huh? And Tron's like, uh, 
yeah, that is that's what I've said. And uh, but he's got a knitted brow, like what's going on? But Beck still oh, onto something. Yeah, Beck has been branded by the manacles that were had and locked into the chair there. So he's still got some strange circuitry on his wrist from that electric chair thing back at the, you know, so it's like whatever happened to him in there, he's been either infected or upgraded or given a, a, a scar or something. So he's like, he'll never forget that experience. And that probably bodes, does not bode well for the future, I imagine, especially since he's being cagey with, with Tron. So, mm. And Tron's being cagey right back, to be fair. I mean, they're, they're always like that. That's the foundation of their relationship. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, this is, I'm the only one? Oh, yeah. Well, except for the 200 other ones that I trained. You know, like I think there's, <laughs> there's a lot of that. So You know at the beginning of 300 where they're talking about how if a baby's imperfect, they just toss them over the side of a cliff and there's just yeah. all these baby skulls. <laughs> That's what I'm imagining. Just somewhere around Tron's uh, hidden hideout. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just all these... It's dead, like, uh, uh, was that character Lux? The, 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 the program in the White Hood, the Spider-Gwen looking ninja from... Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. A few years ago in the Peter Stormare Pergos episode when they take her disc off to the pool, the naturally occurring pool of acid and they, and they throw her disc in there and uh, it melts down so that their identities will be protected. Hmm. How did uh, Tron know where that was? Right. It's like, Oh, this is where I've taken all the ones before you. I mean, the, the discs <laughs> I've uh, captured. Got to watch your step there. I wouldn't want you to fall in back. Yeah. I think there's, <laughs> But then we cut to the site of the prison and we see the shattered glass shards of that little portal lying in the rain in the crater and the whirlpool cap is gone. And then, oh, geez, just like in the ring, the stranger mm. crawls out of the glass and uh, sort of spider walks towards the camera in a bit of a horror Halloween sting ending, which is kind of a kind of a, neat, a neat touch. Dun, dun, dun. It's a classic, but the hand rising up out of the ground. So good. Yeah, like the Evil Dead poster or whatever. I, I mean, I, I was going to make a reference there. Yeah. I don't think this is the last we'll see of the stranger, but I just, I mm. just love this episode. There's just enough expository dialogue without ever actually letting us know what the actual heck is happening. It's like I the, love it. My favorite type of episode in, in in shows like this when things just go completely off the rails, and most of it's offered without comment. And it leaves you, instead of confused and lost, just hyper-focused and like going, what is happening? And I, that, I love Yeah, you that. want to know more. Yeah. This show, it definitely, it takes some time to get warmed up, but it's just episode after episode to go, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> well, this it was this episode and the next episode were the two episodes that made me go from liking this show to like being nuts about this show. You know, like... <laughs> Like up until now, I've been like, "All oh, right, now we're cooking with gas. This is pretty cool." But then this episode, mm. I was like, "This is the coolest thing I've ever seen." <laughs> so yeah, you know. And then and that, just next seeing episode, what this show can do. Yeah, it's like they're not afraid to actually dip into lore, and get less formulaic and and add to the canon kind of thing. I feel like Tron as a franchise is a little bit like the Alien prequels in that there's a really fantastic story hidden between the two movies. So yeah. Prometheus, Alien Covenant, everyone's upset that Alien Covenant 
isn't about David and Shaw. Like, that seemed to be where we were supposed to be taking this story, but I guess we'll just time jump over that. And, okay. Yeah. And then same thing with Legacy going, okay, Sam Flynn, most boring character ever created. <laughs> but there's this really interesting thing about Isos and Korra meeting Flynn and, and, and Tron with Beck, and just at least we have this TV show to to bridge that gap. Exactly. Well, that brings us to the end of episode 13. Oh, I uh, forgot to ask the question. Do you think this is where Tron uh, met Abel when he needed to build this prison? Because it's mentioned that Abel built the prison. So <laughs> does he contact him out of blue with that? Or did he already know him beforehand? Is it? It's mentioned that Abel built the prison? Yes, I was reading the wiki. Oh, reading in the wiki. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think it got mentioned in the... Um... The, well, it uh, might be the next episode, the episode, next appearance. Wow, fantastic. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. they definitely know each other from that. One of several prisons that Abel has built. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> Although that's kind of OP for Abel, if he can just whip up a prison like that. Hmm, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, I shouldn't... Just... Eat, I don't think he should be afraid of getting into trouble, you know? Like, he sort of sounds like somebody who could just... If he can just... Toss out a few phantom zones to cover his tracks, you know? Yeah, he could just hack into the Matrix now, apparently. Yeah. Huh. Well, there you go. Well, I'm sure we'll find out in upcoming episodes. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Animatronic. I've been Duncan Shields. And I have been Courtney Colson. And tune in next time for another episode of Animatronic. End, End of, of line. line.